أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين واللعنة الدائمة على أعدائهم أجمعين من الآن إلى قيام يوم الدين السلام عليكم dear brothers and sisters I hope everyone is doing well inshallah and welcome to another episode of our tafsir of Dua Kumail podcast in the last episode, we ended here where Ali ibn Abi Talib said, Hatta asraha ilayka fi mayadin as-sabiqeen. Ya Allah, make it such that I am continuously serving you and I'm con- continuously working for your cause such that I can compete with the other foremost servants of yours, right? So I can I can make it such that, you know, not only am I, am I not a bad person, but I'm a good person and then I'm also competing with the other great servants of yours, right? And we explained how this idea of competing is something that we have in our day-to-day lives and the Quran also speaks of it on multiple occasions. Um, but there is a there are a number of major differences between the competition that we have in our day-to-day lives uh, and the competition that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been uh, inviting us towards. So we mentioned that the first difference is that in this world, when you compete, there's only one or two or three winners, whatever the case may be. But when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, everyone can compete and everyone can win at the same time. Number two is that in this world, whether you win or you lose, right, your efforts are judged based on the, cons- the essentially the, the results. They're based on the effects that you can bring about, the tangible results that you can produce, the points that you can score, so to speak. That's how you're judged. So even if you worked very, very hard, but you were not able to deliver the points, you were not able to deliver the results, then what you did doesn't hold much value at that point in this world, right? But with the next world, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no, even if you if you worked really hard um, and you have a small amount of results or no results at all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's reward will still be there for you. And if someone, and this is for those who grew up in, you know, in religious families and families where they had an advantage, right? They had, uh, you know, they already had an environment around them, an atmosphere around them to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to be raised in a religious way, to be on the straight path, right? This is for them. Similarly, because everything goes based off of effort, then if I also grew up in a religious family and I had a family that, that taught me things properly, or I grew up in a family where things weren't tumultuous, where you know the mother and father aren't broken up, it's not a, it's not a broken family, you know, there's a lot of positive things already in the family, a positive culture already in the family, then when I do serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there are results for what I have done, that other people acknowledge. I have to remember at the end of the day, I am going to be judged based on based off of my efforts. Okay? So what that means is that if I'm getting more results than someone else, it doesn't mean that my reward is going to be greater than them, right? Because it depends where you start and and how far you go from that starting point. Okay? That's that's essentially what matters. If you started from a plus 2 and you got to a 10, right? And someone started from a minus 1 and got to a 9, that 9 is more valuable in the eyes of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala than your plus 10, right? So, it's how much essentially land you cover. It, that it's how much ground you cover, not where you start from. 
Okay, so that's another, uh, the second difference that we have between the competition you find in this world and with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third is that when you compete in this world, at best, the referee is going to be neutral if he is not helping others, if he is not essentially uh, working against you. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not only is it not working against you, not only is he not neutral, he's on your side, right? He's there to help you. He's there to give you clues. So whenever you run into a problem, you know, in this world, you can't go to your referee. You have to go to your teammates. You have to go to your coach. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's the referee, he's the judge, and he is also the one who can help you at the same time. So these are differences between the competition we have in this world and that of the next world. So we are to compete, but with keeping these things in mind. The next line says this, وَأُسْرِعَ fil mubadirin." and that I would hurry towards you amongst the prominent servants of yours. Very similar to the previous line. And then he says this, Allah, make it such that I can essentially, I have a shawq, I have an inclination. I am excited to come towards you like the other servants of yours who are excited to come towards you. Okay. This line is a very critical line. Because many times what we will find is that people who have been in religious atmospheres, religious environments, and they've been practicing religious teachings for a very long time in their life, many times they will not find a shogh in their heart. They will not find an excitement in their heart. They will not find an inclination in their heart still when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Like they'll still, after you know, 30, 40, 50 years of praying, they still don't feel that inclination. They still don't feel that excitement. And here Ali ibn Abi Talib is talking about shawq, right? Where you desire something, but you desire it with a fervor. Right? You desire it with a passion. Okay, this is very critical. So two points about this. First of all, the, the faith that one feels, uh, or the I should say the excitement that one feels, is not the complete determination of where his faith stands. And I'm going to talk about that in just a second. And number two is that essentially And number two is essentially, what can I do in order for me to build that shawq and that excitement and that inclination? Okay, what can I do so that after, you know, uh, being a Muslim and practicing my religion for 30, 40, 50 years, right, 60 years, I can, after these, this many years, I can feel an inclination or as we normally say, I can build a connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we've touched on this before, but I'll, I'll touch on it again. So these are the two issues that we want to discuss as it relates to this line of So the first point that we have to clarify is that there are times where someone will be a very good person and they will make it into heaven. Still, when it comes to some aspects of meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and going to the next world, they still may not feel that shawq initially. And this is something that the companion of Imam al-Sadiq had questions with regards to. 
that if I'm a good person, you know, and I'm not, you know, the best of the best, but still I do feel like, you know, I'm a good person. I, I pray and I fast and I obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if I sin, I repent to him. Why is it that I have not, you know, built this shawq, this excitement? Now, his question particularly has to do with uh, when someone is going to leave this world and go to the next world. He's going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or as he puts it in the hadith, Allah. He's going to have an opportunity to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he poses this question to Imam Sadiq He says, is it true that man ahabba Allah ahabba Allahu Is it true that whoever is excited and wants to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would also be excited and would want to meet him? Right? In other words, his liqa will be a pleasant one, right? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be happy with him. Is that true? Is this feeling supposed to be a mutual feeling? He says, yes. The Imam said, yes. Is it also true that if I don't feel like leaving this world and meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also does not want to meet me? Is that feeling mutual, mutual as well? He asked the sixth Imam. The sixth Imam said, Naam. He said, That's true. Yes, it's a mutual thing. He said, Fakultu inna la nakrahul maut. He said, Well, then I have a problem. I have a serious problem. What's your problem? My problem is I don't want to die. <laughs> I don't like the idea of thinking that I have to leave this world. Even if the end point of this leaving this world is meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is still a little bit of kiraha in my heart. I still don't feel, you know, completely excited about this notion of leaving this world. I'm still afraid of death, essentially. Faqal, and the sixth Imam started to explain. He said, He said, No, no, you're you're getting things wrong. That's not the right way of looking at it. And essentially, in the hadith, he explains. He says, Listen, this idea of you not wanting to leave this world, it's only up until that point where you get to see what lies in the next world for you, what has been prepared for you in the next world. Mu'ayana is that moment where you get to see this world and the next world, right? You get to see what's happening. You haven't left this world yet, but you get to see what's happening in the next world, right? He says this is only there, this kiraha, this dislike that you have. It is only there until you get to see what has been prepared for you because you're generally a good person. The moment he sees the things that he loves, right? The blessings of heaven that have been essentially prepared for him. At that point, there will be nothing more beloved in his eyes than to leave this world. He doesn't want to stay here anymore. He says, when that moment comes, then he will feel that shawq. Then he will feel that excitement. And at that time, this principle that I laid out for you, Imam Sadiq is saying, it holds true because now he wants to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He wants to leave this world. And that means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to meet him as well, which means that that meeting, this death essentially will be a pleasant one, right? It will be a beautiful one. So he's saying this principle holds, but you're not supposed to judge it just based on what you have right now. You're supposed to judge it based on what you see when you see the next world. Now, this, of course, is a deeper discussion. What do we see when that moment of death comes and, you know, how, how, how does this process take place of us leaving this world and going to the Barzakh? Long discussion. 
But the point we want to understand here is that that shulq that we speak of, it may not present itself fully until we get to see what has been prepared for us. So that's one point to keep in mind. But regarding the second point, how, what can I do to build this shulq inside of myself? So that after 30, 40, 50 years, I'm not just going through the motions of being a Muslim. I'm not just going through the motions of acting upon the teachings of Islam. I actually feel like I'm building a connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What can I do in order to make that happen? The answer to that, brothers and sisters, plain and simple, is that if you want to build a connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to stop crossing his red lines. Even if after crossing the red line, you come back behind the red line. What do I mean by that? That means we have to build habits and we have to build a lifestyle where we don't disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if when we do disobey Him, we do tawbah and we come back. Because when you disobey Him, it shatters your faith. It shatters my faith. So when I do come back, does He forgive me? Yes. Does He love me? Absolutely. Beyond the shadow of a doubt. In Allah, yuhibbu tawwabin, right? He loves the one who comes and does tawbah. There's no doubt about that. But is my faith in Him, is my relationship towards Him the same it was before I sinned? No. My relationship, the connection that I was building with Him, it takes a hit. And now I have to work again to build that connection. And so, so many of us will build this connection over and over and we will shatter it over and over again. And initially that's fine because when we're younger and we're still trying to build these habits, right? It takes time. But one has to all constantly keep an eye on the progress that he's making so that after 56 years, he's now living a life where these haram habits have been eradicated from his life. Now at that point, whatever he does, Whatever connection he builds with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he doesn't shatter it with sinning. If someone continuously starts to do this, and slowly one by one he starts to remove these haram habits that he has in his life, not only will he be just going through the motions at that point, it won't be like that anymore. He will actually build a connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then this person, when he prays, he will it'll be a lot easier for him to keep his concentration in prayer. Uh, when he prays, he actually feels a little bit of a pleasure when he's praying. I'm not talking about, you know, the pleasures that the Urafa and our great scholars were talking about, right? That's not something that, you know, someone like his me, like me has ever experienced. I'm just talking about, you know, you pray and you feel like, wow, this is, this is not like a burden anymore, right? It feels more so like I'm talking to a friend, even that level of it. He will start to feel these things. But this only happens when someone consistently builds a lifestyle where they don't do haram. Yes, anyone can live a lifestyle where they're generally good and, you know, sometimes they make a sin and they commit a sin and then they do tawbah. That's good. It's not bad, right? But that's not the ideal where we are aiming for and that's not how you build faith with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You build faith by eradicating these haram habits and you still might you know, at the end of the day, every now and then make a mistake, every now and then commit a sin, but you know, the less it's going to be, the more you will build this shawq towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, then he moves on. And make it such that I can come close to you. I can come close to you like your sincere servants come close to you. Right? Like make it such so that I can be part of that, you know, that close circle 
which Ali ibn Abi Talib refers to later on in the dua as well. He says, I can be amongst that close circle of your servants who are around you, so to speak. But here's the important point in this line. He says, make it such that I can come close to you. And when, when you naturally come close to somebody, normally what does that mean? That means you don't fear this person, right? You feel comfortable with this person. But here's the thing. Our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is different from any other relationship that we've ever experienced. So take a look at the next line. This line he says, help me come closer to you. And then the next line says, Make it such that even though I come close to you, I still have a very serious fear of you. This is something that might seem as a contradiction initially to us. What is, what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talking about? Or forgive me, what is Ali ibn Abi Talib talking about here? That I want to come close to you, but at the same time, make sure to put that fear in my heart. Like he's praying for that. Like that's another hajat that he has, right? He's not saying this will naturally happen. He's saying, I want this to happen, right? Like it's something that's very, you know, valuable that I would fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this concept of fear that we have towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this, brothers and sisters, I can say is one of the most misunderstood concept that we have within our communities and especially when it comes to our youth. And it's not so much their fault. It's mainly you know, our fault because we have not done a good job of providing pure, deep, genuine Islamic content and teachings to them, right? And we have this problem, unfortunately, where we have speakers who don't haven't done the studies properly, they don't have a deep understanding of things. Um, and so they, they'll go up on the mimbar and they still say stuff. And then this will essentially mess up the understanding that we have when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our relationship with him. And then obviously that leads to uh, us having individuals who don't feel a connection with God uh, because they have a misunderstanding with regards to how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does things. And this concept of khawf is one of those concepts where you will find this uh, maybe more than anything else where we uh, essentially can uh, we essentially tell people to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much to the point where you reach a point where you despise God forbid Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so what is this khawf and what do we talk about what do we mean when we're talking about fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how is this different from the fear that we have towards the things that we find scary or frightening in this world. That's something that we have to discuss. And at the second point, or the second point that I want to discuss with regards to these two lines is how is this khawf essentially compatible with us having hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How is it compatible with us loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? I remember when one of the youth sessions that we were having uh, not too long ago, one of the youth asked this question, and I thought it was such a brilliant question. He said, Shaykh, you guys always say, and he's like, you know, by you guys, he was referring to like speakers and, you know, uh, you know, shuyukh uh, and people who speak. He said, you guys always say that, you know, uh, we're supposed to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're supposed to build this connection with him and, you know, all these wonderful things. We're supposed to have affection towards him. And at the same time, you guys say that we're supposed to fear him, right? And of course, the Quran speaks of this very clearly that we are to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said, well, which one is it? <laughs> am I supposed to love God? Or am I supposed to fear him at the end of the day? Which one of these two 
am I supposed to implement into my life? So this is something that we have to delve into and we will do that inshallah in the next episode. So we understand how this fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is compatible with first of all the hope that we have towards Him and second of all how is it compatible with the love that we have towards Him. Both of these we have in our hadith and we have in the Quran. So we have to see how we can uh, essentially uh, bring these two together um, and have a deeper understanding of this concept of khawf. Inshallah that we will discuss in the next episode. Until then, keep us in your du'as. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.